we're starting. Oh, this is crime culture. We're, we're fighting. We're, in the we're now. fighting. This is Haley. This is uh-huh. Caitlin, and we're fighting. Um, I have I have a fucking you have a very exciting episode nose. today and a cute nose. But yes, I do. I'm very excited about this episode. I guarantee few, if any, will know it. But girl, I forgot what we're talking about because I haven't looked at the schedule. So I'm I'm learning with the the audience. Oh, you'll be learning with it anyway because I'm almost positive that you haven't heard of this. I don't remember how I heard about this case. Like, truly, I think it was like I heard about it offhand, but didn't really know anything about it. I just knew one piece that we'll get to, um, which is not really related to this. And that's it. Yeah. Those end up being like the best, like the ones where you like know the bare minimum of information. And you're like, okay, wait, let me do my research into this. And then all of a sudden you get sucked down like, oh, rabbit hole for a weekend like oh my god this goes so much deeper than i thought to the point that i was like oh i may have to ask Haley to riff during this episode when i started researching it because i found at the beginning i found like three sources one of which was wikipedia and i was like "Uh oh yeah wikipedia is like a good start for anybody that wants to like do research on a case but i mean anybody that knows reliability will say like okay you gotta you gotta go to more reliable sources yep and actually fun fact michael told me that when he was in high school he used wikipedia to write his papers because he would scroll straight down to the bibliography and click on the articles that are referenced yeah (laughs) i was like how the fuck did i not think of that yeah you can do that (laughs) um look at us we're teaching the youths how to academia yeah that too that's that's just Um, researching efficiently yes it's not cheating no cheating is when you copy paste yeah that's cheating but fucking whatever that website is takes care of that now yeah so just use sources that have already been compiled yes Yeah. yeah it's like somebody helped you with it it's like you had a tutor and its name is wikipedia that's all yep So what case are we talking about? Yes, we'll get into this. So these are the Osage Native American murders, also known as the Osage murders, um, also known as the Osage Indian murders, which I refuse to call it because I find it very problematic. Um, But it is something else. And honestly, it is one of the biggest serial murder cases in American history. And nobody what? knows it. It's it's also one of the most forgotten, if not the most forgotten. So yeah, we'll hop right in there. And just a little bit of background first before we get into the the meatiest parts. Um, the Osage tribe once controlled pretty much all of the Midwest in the United States. They were fucking gigantic. Um, In the 1800s, actually, President Thomas Jefferson, who's shitty in his own right, but that's another story for another episode, um, referred to the tribe as a great nation and therefore promised that the U.S. would treat them as their friends. We we all know know how that went down. Yep. We all know how history is. And we've all heard of the pilgrims and their smallpox blankets. So... Yeah. Um, within a few years, the U.S. conveniently forgot this promise 
And over the next 20 years or so, they would take over 100 million acres of the Osage tribe's land. Yeah, cute. Not chill. Sweet. No. Decidedly not cool. Not very cash money of them. No. Of us. So, eventually, the tribe was forced to live on a reservation in Kansas. But then, by 1870, they were driven off their land again. And literally, they're driven off the land. They're sent to this land that they're like, okay, you can live here because we want your land. And then the government comes in and just fucking goes, yeah, just kidding. We want this, too. So we're going to move you again. Um, Just real A plus shit. So obviously, this is incredibly disrespectful and shitty and slimy. And so, understandably, the chief of the tribe had about enough and told his people that they were going to move to a new area that was designated as Native American territory, which would later become Oklahoma. So, Mm. obviously, we all also know what's going to happen there. But the tribe obviously couldn't predict that the United States would want this land. Um, And that was mostly because it wasn't fertile. It was a very rocky pretty much unfarmable land and so they were like oh yeah the white people will not want this they can't do their farming shit we can do shit with it but they're not gonna know hide or hair so they they that but here's another thing that they did they didn't turn it into a reservation they purchased the land and resettled there they pooled their money and bought the land so they were like this is ours in the eyes of us in the eyes of, of God, the federal government, like there's yeah, no, legally there's no taking this. Yes. There's no taking yeah. this shit. Also at this point, like I said, this was referred to as a great tribe. They were all over the fucking Midwest. Yeah. With all of the moves and the mistreatment and everything. By this point, there are a couple of thousand left. Oh shit. That's it. Yes, that's it. We're talking four digits. Um, And many of them were starving, some to death. And overall, like at this point, they've really been screwed over by the United States. Yeah. So they lived in peace for a while. And then it was discovered that under this piece of land was one of the largest oil deposits in the country. Mm hmm. Now, nobody knew just how large it was yet, but. The U.S. found out that there was oil and the federal government tried to break or, or tried to force the Osage off their land by breaking up the reservation and turning them into private property owners, which was basically a loophole they created that allowed white settlers to take their land. So okay. the Osage, because they bought their land, remember, they bought it. This wasn't just some reservation that was reserved for them by the government and they were sent to. So therefore... This didn't exactly work like it did the other times before when they didn't own the land they were put on, like in Kansas, and they were just told to leave. They were like, you can't yeah. tell us. It's like somebody coming up to your house and being like, hey, I own this now. Yeah, be like, we paid for this. You can't tell us to like resettle in a way that's convenient for you. Like, we paid for it. This is ours. And you kicked us out of two other homes, multiple other homes. So yeah. you can't boss us around anymore. Yep. How you like that trail of tears, bitch? So they say this 
and they were like, you know, that we we own this land. This is completely different, except for, you know, the time when we owned this other land and you just kind of forced us off it. We've gotten smarter. We've gotten we, we're we're not about to be shysted out of this. Yeah. So they got one of the most prominent figures in their tribe um, who he was a man named John F. Palmer to basically defend their case. Uh, Palmer was extremely intelligent. He was a lawyer who practiced in both tribal and federal court. So at that time, that was super rare. And not only did he know what he was talking about, that meant, but it also meant that he wasn't about to be tricked by the federal government because he's been on both sides, basically. Exactly. So, and just to, I hate this, that this is a qualifier, but to drive home just how smart this guy was, a white U.S. senator actually described him as the most eloquent Native American alive during these talks between the Osage and the United States, which, again, pretty problematic. I'm not saying it's not, but you got to know how smart this guy is that racist-ass white senators are like, wow, this guy really knows his shit. Um, Like, so impressed that they can't fuck this guy over, that they're going to acknowledge that they can't fuck this guy over, that they have tried and failed to fuck him over. Yeah. So, basically, Palmer works out for the tribe this agreement with the United States that they would move, but they would maintain the underground rights to the land. Okay. So, because, again, smart people being led by smart people, obviously they've got some inkling that there is oil underneath. They just yeah. don't know how much. Nobody knows how much. It's not yes. like they've got the machinery that we do now to detect it. Yeah. But they also were like, if the U.S. wants this so bad, there's got to be something else to it. Yeah. 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 So the federal government agrees to this and the Osage tribe moves again. And basically they owned this land without getting to live on it, see it. They just knew it existed. And yeah. Sorry, I thought my cat was trying to knock over a lamp, Um, which he tried to do once and he almost set it on fire. So I have to watch him. Um, so, (laughs) like I said, because all of the mistreatment from the U.S. government was there, the tribe was not nearly as big as it had been. So at the time of this agreement, there were about 2,000 people left. Okay. Per the agreement, each member of the tribe, all 2,000 of them or so, received a head right, which was basically a share in the underground rights, kind of like everybody getting their own plot of land to live on, except, you know, like they weren't allowed to live on it. Um, Like stocks, kind of like everybody gets a share in a company, except the company is land. Yep. So the head rights, the, the Osage basically made sure that the tribe as a whole maintained all the subsurface territory together. So they were collectively controlled. The head rights were collectively controlled by the tribe. And each member would receive a check for any money that resulted from the oil. Okay. Like I said, nobody really knew exactly how much oil there was. So these checks started out only in like the hundreds, like hundred bucks. And they were issued to the tribe triannually every four months. So in the beginning, they weren't really getting much out of it. Like a hundred bucks was big back then, but it wasn't like 
per person that's per quite person a bit of money. per person yeah, yeah let's call if it's if it's a hundred that's two hundred thousand dollars that they're getting total that's a lot that's pretty yeah. good not bad yeah. or not total but every time they receive it so help me yeah. two hundred thousand times four is eight hundred thousand per year yeah that doesn't mean shit chump change barely oh, really? anything by about 50 years later in the 1920s they were receiving millions because every check millions yes millions <gasps> of dollars worth of oil was found under oh this plot God. of land yes like they were so rich tap dancing in the streets but they were so rich how rich were they thank you okay <laughs> So they were so rich that according to an investigative journalist, David Gran, who wrote a book on the case in 2017, in 20, in 1923 alone, the Osage received what today would be over $400 million. Wow. Yeah. That's a nothing. nice little chunk of change. Yeah. 200,000, nothing. Wow. So by this time they were literally like, like on record literally the wealthiest people per capita in the world good yes talk about mess with the bull you get the horns yeah after being like fussled out of everything yeah out of their house and home like everything yep like i don't know so i was like i I just i i words can't describe how i was like oh this is vindication this is good shit exactly but where there's a lot of money, there's a lot of jealousy, even if it's not necessarily warranted. We've all seen nights out, knives out. And the people of the United States became obsessed with the Osage and the wealth they acquired. I would liken it to how we're obsessed with the Kardashians now or Elon Musk or, you know, someone real fucking rich. Yeah. Basically, they treated them like celebrities and that paparazzi would come out and report on how the tribe members, who they referred to as problematic alert, quote, the red millionaires and the plutocratic Osage, end quote. Uh. Yep. But how okay. they lived, how they lived. They were chauffeured around in fancy cars, for one thing. And according nice. to Gran, at the time, basically one American might own a car at this point in time. Really? Same point in time. One Osage tribe member would own 11 cars. <laughs> nice. Yes, yes. So they were all Jay Leno, basically. Like, I'm going to buy all these cars and you can't have any because fuck and, you, that's why. And I'm not even going to drive them. People are going to drive me in them. Don't yep. forget, chauffeured fancy cars. I just want to have them. Yep, yep. They're Cardi B in it up. Yep. So according to Gran... They also lived in mansions and had servants, some of whom were white. Wow, that must have been a big uh, to-do back then. White people weren't happy. They were not fucking happy about this. So the U.S. government, which was, and predominantly still is, you know, run by white people, decided that the agreements they made with the Osage was suddenly outdated. And they were incapable of managing their money on their own. Which, like, they seem to be managing it fine to me, but funny how that suddenly pops yeah. up. 
I can think of a couple of things that are outdated and a couple of people that can't be trusted to handle money on their own. Maybe we should redo this whole thing. <laughs> Whoo! The tea. Um, but yeah, so the government put together this system where white, white guardians, not just any guardians, white guardians, yeah, were put in charge of overseeing how the Osage spent their money. So, like, you know how fucked up it is that Britney Spears is controlled by her dad and given only $1,500 a week of spending money when she's worth over $200 million? Yeah. It, it's basically like that, only bigger and worse. Yeah, and, like, for grown adult people, if I want to spend yeah. my money on 11 cars that I'm never going to drive, fucking let me do that. <laughs> like, yep. yep. Who are you so to tell me how I should spend my money? Yes, exactly. White. So White people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hashtag free Britney. Hashtag free the Osage. Now, another part of the treaty was that it didn't matter if you were fully Osage. The original treaty was yeah. that it didn't matter if you were fully Osage, half, quarter, what have you. You were entitled you were part to money. Of the tribe, yeah. If you were part of the tribe at that point when that thing was declared, then you got money. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's because it wasn't just about the current Osage people when the, that was established or the bloodline of the future Osage people. It was about their ancestors and how they had been fucked over so much that the family yeah. deserved something. If your great-great-grandma was Osage and she got forced off her land in Kansas because the U.S. wanted it, she, her great-great-grandkid deserves some of this money, too. Yeah. Because it's, it's like a domino effect. It affects one generation and that affects the next and it affects the next. So it's absolutely well, understandable. Yeah, well, you think about white families, like royalty, like passes down through the family. Lots of stuff yeah. passed down through families. So why shouldn't this? Th that would make sense. Yep, like racism. Um, so in this new system, yeah. the U.S. government changed this to a degree, saying basically if you were full-blooded Osage, you were absolutely incapable of managing your own money and therefore assigned one of these white guardians, white conservators. That's so ob obviously all of this is dumb. It's super fucked up. But this is a true crime series. Yeah. So we're just scratching the surface. Yeah. Yeah, it's about to get a whole lot worse, Haley. It's... Whoo, buckle up, buttercup. Get fucking ready. Okay. So, one of the members of this tribe was named Molly Burkhart. She was pretty prominent in the tribe based on her familial connections. Um, she had married a white man named Ernest Burkhart, and she is basically, if not the heroine of our story, one of the key figures. Okay. Molly saw a lot of weird shit going down, basically at the hands of the government, and knew that it had to be related to all their money. Then it gets worse. <laughs> For lack of a better word. Mm. On May 27th, 1921, hunters found the body of Molly's 36-year-old sister, Anna Brown, who was shot to death in a ravine. Ooh. Yep. And that same day, a little while later, another Osage tribe member who was a cousin of Molly and Anna's, Charles Whitehorn, was also found shot to death. Okay. Same day. Wow. So, of course, Molly immediately goes to the police the white police 
and demands an investigation, demands justice, but is basically ignored because there's money and therefore corruption. And also, it's not like it's happening to human beings or anything. It's just the Native Americans. Yeah. They're not, like, white. So eventually somebody is convicted of Anna's murder, but it doesn't really stick. It doesn't make sense why this guy would kill her. Remember that. More on that later. It gets worse. So when Anna was murdered, she had no kids. She was divorced. So all of her money, including her head right, went to her and Molly's mother, Lizzie Q. Kyle, who was one of the last living elders of the Osage tribe. So two months after Anna Brown and Charles Whitehorn's deaths, Lizzie Kyle got mysteriously and suddenly very sick. It came on and progressed very quickly. And no matter what they did, what doctors did, they couldn't seem to figure out what was wrong or how they could stop it. Okay. Within two months, Lizzie Q. Kyle was dead. And then it was discovered that she had been continuously, steadily, um, what's the word? Chronically, um, you know, like, yes, but yes, but I'm trying to think (laughs) of the word. Like, like when you're trying to kill your husband. So you put a little bit of arsenic in his drink every night. Yeah. Like microdosing, but with, you know, something that can kill you. Um, so they were doing that to Liz, whoever this was, was doing that to Lizzie Q. Kyle. Yeah. Then another victim named Henry Rowan Horse, who was also Molly and Anna's cousin, was found in his car, shot in the back of the head soon after the death of Lizzie Q. Kyle. Yeah. Like, one is a tragic accident. Two is suspicious. Three is there's definitely something going on here. Four is when is somebody going to do something about this? Mm hmm. Four in two months, two of which were on the same fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. So, in February 1922, 21-year-old champion steer roper William Stepson got a call from an unknown person asking for help with an unknown task. Nobody really knows what, like, who called him, where they asked him to go, what they asked him to do. All they know is he got a call and he left the house. He was like, oh, I'll be right back. Nothing some, nothing weird, nothing creepy. Oh, I was going to say, because if someone randos, like, you don't know who I am, but I need you to do something. I'm not, like, packing my bag and be like, okay, let me pop out and help you with this task that i know nothing about mystery person yeah no he clearly knows who this is yes he knows who this is nobody else knew all we know all they knew was that when he returned to his home he suddenly collapsed with his whole body shaking and he was foaming at the mouth before he abruptly died which wow okay yep which obviously sounds like he's having a seizure he died having a seizure okay That probably would have been the presumed cause of death if it wasn't discovered that while he was out of town, uh, out of the house, excuse me, not out of town. I don't know where that came from. Somebody poisoned him with what was believed to be strychnine, S-T-R-Y-C-H-N-I-N-E. Strychnine? Strychnine. Thank you. How do you know that? Are you poisoning me? Mm. I don't have a life insurance on my future husband yet. And I do have a life insurance on me. <laughs> so, goes to Timmy, so you're fucked either way. But, um, basically, the poison imitates the outward signs of a seizure. Shaking body, foaming at the mouth. Yeah. Except you are fully conscious throughout this entire thing. Ew. Yeah. And, literally, you're still going until you suffocate to death. 
That's the only reprieve you get. Yeah. Yeah. So not just poisoned, but like torture poisoned. Yeah. Like strangled without somebody's hands on your neck. Yeah. Yeah. So Molly also had another sister named Rita Smith who lived pretty close to Molly in Fairfax, Oklahoma. And one night, a few years after the deaths of their mother and their sister and their cousin. Yeah. There was a loud explosion at 3 a.m. on March 10th, 1923. So Molly was immediately woken up by the noise and went to look out her window. And she saw a huge fire had erupted near where approximately her sister's house was. So she runs over obviously other people are running over too because hello big boom big fire means we gotta watch yeah and it was discovered later at this point her so rita's house is fully engulfed in flames it will be later discovered that someone had put a bomb containing five gallons of nitroglycerin instantly killing rita as well as their white living servant named nettie brookshire Rita's husband, Bill, survived the blast, but then died four days later to his of because of his injuries. Mm. So Molly, again, she knows shit is up. And again, yeah, she's having too many family members suspiciously die. Yeah. Yeah. So and again, she got that oil money. So yeah. she starts offering rewards to anybody who can provide more information. She hires her own team of private investigators and is basically turning herself into Nancy Drew and is like, I'm going to solve this fucking thing myself. Since well, also, you have to see, like, all of these people who you're related to around you are being killed. Like, mm-hmm. I think she can figure out that much. Like, you got to start thinking, when am I on this list? See, I don't, from what I read, it didn't seem that she was thinking about that. And really? I will get, uh, and we'll get to that. Okay. Um, she was just more like, because it wasn't just her family, remember? Like, her family, a lot of her family was involved. But, for example, the steer, the steer handler yeah. or whatever he was, he wasn't related to her. Okay. But just um, people in her, her circle, people who People in knew. her tribe. They're yeah. all people in her tribe. Yeah. So, meanwhile, it's not too hard to realize that the Osage is being targeted. That the tribe is being targeted. So... They went to a friend of the tribe who was a white oil tycoon in Oklahoma named Barney McBride on in in August 1922. And he agreed to go to Washington, D.C. and plead for help on their behalf, because, you know, it's like when you bring a boy to a car dealership when you need to buy a car. Yeah, I know what the fuck I'm doing, but they're not going to listen to me. They're going to listen to the man. Yeah. The white man. The white man. So. When he arrived at the boarding house he's staying in before he speaks to the federal government, he receives a telegram telling him to be careful. Immediately, he leaves the boarding house because he's like, what the fuck is this? And he gets kidnapped, (gasps) like, when he walks out of the boarding house. Oh, shit. And the authorities found his body the next morning naked with nothing but a burlap sack over his head. And he had been stabbed over 20 times and was beaten. And also, he wasn't in D.C. anymore. He was in Maryland. Whoa. Yeah. Which, like, don't get me wrong. The two are close. They're not like, oh, I somehow ended up in Maryland when I was in D.C. close. Naked. Yeah. And beaten and stabbed. Yeah, that's wild. Yes. It's so wild that you know how everybody's always like, oh, they don't start paying attention until the white people start getting hit. Exactly. Well, 
that's when the press really started to take notice. And the Washington Post actually released a story soon after McBride's death, outwardly saying someone was clearly out to kill the Osage. It's about time somebody said it. Yep. But the fact that this was a national news story was not enough for them to get help. So on June 28th, 1923, another Osage tribe member named George Bigheart was at home extremely, extremely ill from what was later presumed by doctors to be a poisoned glass of whiskey. Okay. Molly's husband, Ernest, and his uncle, William King Hale, got some money together and sent Bigheart to a hospital in Oklahoma to try to save him. At this point, mm-hmm. another white man agrees to help the Osage, and he's a lawyer from Pawhuska, Illinois, or no, Oklahoma. I have Oklahoma <laughs> written in my notes. Don't know why I said Illinois, but that's for another day. His name was William Watkins, or W.W. Vaughn, and he agreed to go to Oklahoma City and meet with Big Heart. Generally nice guy, wholesome family man. He had 10 kids. Um, so beforehand, he goes to his wife and he says, hey, I'm going to interview this guy tonight. I think I've got a case here. This is where I've left my money. This is where I've left my evidence that I've been collecting about this case. Yeah. If anything happens to me, now you know where to find it. So that you guys will be taken care of and so that this case will see the light of day. That's really good of him to be... Like, he's he's removed from all this. He's not, like, involved. So he right. himself would not be in trouble. But, like, he knows what happened to the last person that tried to help yeah. uh, this group. And now he's like, okay, well, I'm willing to put myself in that situation because these people need help. Yeah. Not to get too white savory, but, yeah, that's pretty much what's happening. Yeah. So the two men met that night and Vaughn collected written evidence from Big Heart, who basically told him who he thought was trying to kill him and everybody okay. else. All right. The next morning, Big Heart died. He succumbed to his poisoning. Yeah. So Vaughn called the local authorities back home and said he had enough evidence to put away one of the killers and that he was getting on a train at that moment and to basically like meet him at the station so they could put this guy away. Yeah. Train returns and Vaughn isn't on it. Surprise, surprise. Yes. So then a missing persons report is filed. Search party starts looking all over Oklahoma for him. You know, the whole nine. 24 hours after he has gone missing, Vaughn's naked body was found along the tracks near Pershing, Oklahoma, which was only five miles south of Pawhuska. So he was five miles away from getting home and getting the guy. Jesus. Yep. Thank God he called first. Yeah. So he he did tell people what he found out. No, he didn't say what he found out. Oh, he didn't say. He said he was going to tell when he got there. He said, I know I'm going to tell you when I get here. (sighs) Dude. Yep. So his neck had been broken. Well, because he had proof. That was the point. He had like written proof. Like you can, I can call you up and say, hey, look, Michael's laundering money. Doesn't mean shit if I don't have like anything to back it up. Also, I wouldn't tell you that because I need some money right now. Um, yeah, but I mean, he could have been like, hey, I have the proof. It's this person. I'll show you the proof when I get there. Like, yeah, but at again, least... it still wouldn't mean anything. I guess. So his neck had been broken. His head was crushed and he had been thrown off the train. So again, <sighs> somebody is clearly trying to send a message. A day after her husband's body is discovered, Vaughn's wife goes to the safe where he told her he had been keeping all of the money and all of the evidence and everything. 
everything was gone. <gasps> oh, yeah. shit. Oh, shit, indeed. I told you, this shit is wild. How yeah. nobody knows about this, and I'm including myself in that, is fucking insane. Because this yeah. whole thing is like, Haley, 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 lifetime I'm could listening. never. Lifetime could never. So between 1921 and 1923, 13 more Osage men and women were murdered. And at this point, many dispersed from their home in Oklahoma and moved all over the United States, some as far as California, to try to hide. They kept yeah. their kids indoors. They kept their doors locked at a time when you didn't really lock your doors. Like, yeah. they did everything they could to protect themselves because at this point, they didn't know who was responsible. There were people all over, clearly, and nobody was safe. And everyone's getting murdered in such different ways. There's poisonings happening. Mm -hmm. There's people being shot. There's like all these different things. It's like, it's not like, uh, it's not like one MO. Yeah. It's not like a bunch of people were in the same area and they were all shot within like a certain time frame. being like, okay, well don't go to that part of town during this time. And, and you yeah. should be relatively safe. It's like, no, they're coming for you in so many different ways it's like what should i be looking out for yeah and they're coming up with new ways to do it yeah so it was at this point that these murders were referred to by the press as the osage reign of terror again national news story yeah by 1925 at least 60 wealthy osage had been killed that's uh too many Yes, yes, I would agree with you there. That's too many. Also, that's a fuck ton. Remember, there's like 2,000 of them. Yeah, so that's a large percentage chunk. of the population. We can do some math. We can find out exactly how much that is. Hang on. We'll do that. The fact that the number even had to get that high is 3%. Wild. 3% of the Osage tribe has been wiped out. Yeah. So the Osage have continuously pled for help, at, like pled the government for help. And finally, by 1925, probably because white people started dying, the government agreed to help. And they had the Department of Justice send over. They, they agreed to help to a degree. Yeah. They weren't going to get like their best and their brightest. They had the Department of Justice send over a very small, recently established and not very known to the public. They didn't even have somebody in charge yet. Mm branch known to the public or known as the bureau of investigation or as they would later become more famously known as the fbi Ooh, fuck yes we are telling an fbi origin story in conjunction with this crazy case well, this damn. is literally so basically this wasn't like the fbi that we knew today that we know today yeah. this is not yeah. mind hunter shit Basically, the FBI at this point was like a joke. It was run by con men and criminals. They, like I said, they didn't have anybody in charge. Yeah. Mostly they dealt with escaped prisoners, prostitution, like small shit. Yeah. And they didn't have much jurisdiction anywhere, but the one place they did have jurisdiction were Native American reservations. Okay. So because, of course, let's put the fucking Suicide Squad in charge of saving the non-white people instead of the real brute squad. This was actually one of the first large investigations they conducted. So they're going by the seat of their goddamn pants. They don't have anybody in charge. They don't really have yeah. many people that are reputable working for them. 
So obviously, because they've suddenly become more official and the world, not well, the nation, maybe not the world, I don't know, has their eyes on them. Yeah. Very quickly, they decide we need to be, we need to treat this like we're official. So the FBI gets its own director, a little piece of shit man we all know as J. Edgar Hoover. Great. Boo, boo with me now, children. Boo with me. Boo. boo. But yeah, so Hoover, fuck Hoover. Puts Mm -hmm. a former Texas Ranger named Tom White in charge. Tom is generally good people. He's the head of this investigation, so he assembles basically the A-team. And doesn't pull any of that elitist shit that Hoover wanted. Hoover wanted these people, like, wanted FBI agents to be, like very well educated and pristine backgrounds and all they know is the law and you know like hoover shit same guy that fucking sent death threats to mlk we don't have much confidence in him mm-hmm. white threw that shit to the wind just was like bye so yeah none of these guys first of all were college educated few of them were professional by the book lawmen and then again, neither was Hoover. Zing. And yep. White basically recruited a bunch of cowboys, which makes sense because he's pretty much a cowboy himself and they're going to basically cowboy land. And yeah. he has them all go undercover as like ranch hands, cowboys, things like that. And he easy. Even, yes, easy. Like they, they've lived this, so it's not hard, yeah. but they're trained like fbi agents so they know what to look for what to listen for like really smart of him he he even recruits a former insurance agent to work undercover in the area as an insurance agent okay crosses all his t's dots all his i's he's he's he is the right man for the job he should have been in Uh charge of the fbi but that's none of my business so he also recruits a Native American agent who David Grand says may have actually been the first Native American FBI agent. Wow. Yes. So he, we also, we love an open-minded man who's ironically named White. So, yeah. as I've alluded to before, this basically team of misfits is exactly what was needed to solve this case. White and his team discovered that, so remember... The white guy who was guarding Britney's money, a.k.a. her father. Yep. Remember those white guardians of the Osage people's money? Yeah. Well, shockingly, they were all pretty much not good dudes, TM. (gasps) I know. I probably could have guessed that. I know. They had a whole laundering scheme set up where they were stealing money from the Osage, basically skimming off the top of the accounts that they were in charge of. Yeah. In some cases, they were outright stealing their money, like not even skimming, just taking chunks of it. However, pretty much sounds like, as it, like, you know, well, it pretty much sounds like it. The government didn't appoint just any white guy to be in charge of the Osage account. It's not like they were like, oh, let's get some cowboys, let's get an insurance agent. Like, they vetted these people. Yeah. And they found, like, I'm talking high-ranking, highly respected individuals in society. Like, we're talking lawyers, we're talking bankers, we're talking law enforcement officials. Like... All people that we know now can do nefarious things. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, but back then it was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh no, these are the these are the top of the top of the Cr- top, cream of the crop. So, yep. while these guys were the ones actually stealing the money and taking it for themselves, they had teams of people working under them who all knew this was happening but didn't say shit. Yeah. Like, when I tell you this corruption ran so fucking deep, everybody knew, except for the Osage, no one said a goddamn thing. Yeah. And I I should also mention, like, these weren't, these bankers and lawyers and law enforcement officials, they were not just respected and loved by white people. Like, the people stealing the money and killing the Osage people were the very ones that they themselves loved and trusted and respected. It was people they were married to. Yeah, that's people they were close that's friends really with. Sad. Yeah. Um, like these white motherfuckers just invaded their lives like a cancer and none of them suspected a thing because the Osage trusted them. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these men was Molly's husband and the father of her two children, Ernest Burkhart. Oh no. Oh, yeah. In and fact, he had to watch her, like, lose family and, like, go crazy trying to, like, figure out what was happening. Yeah. Wow, what a piece of garbage. Yeah. And at the time that his involvement was discovered, he had already begun poisoning Molly. <gasps> no. Yeah. 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 To the point she was very, very Catholic and went to a priest and was like, I think I'm being poisoned. And he turned it catholic and was like oh just stay away from liquor my child and blah 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 well it turns uh, out that's exactly what he was poisoning no catholic shit. really yes wow so that's what kept her from because that was a part of how he was poisoning her that's what kept her from yeah. outright dying and obviously they stopped it immediately and she made a full recovery yeah but got yeah so ernest burkhart like many of the other men that were part of this ring systematically inserted and, and injected themselves into these people's lives they earned their trust they earned their love like even in the case of molly and Ernest, some had children with the osage but it was all a calculated fucking lie to steal their money and That's wipe out their people so fucking crazy i told you lifetime could never like picture anybody that you love and trust picture elliot picture like your your best friend picture any picture me um picture but like somebody anybody. who's like in like, your you, life that, you have to start thinking like your whole life is a lie then yeah it's like yeah i'm married and have children with someone who whose whole plan was to kill me someday yes like played the longest of the long games and <sighs> like all of it's a lie and they're so evil that they're putting on such a convincing show of pretending to love and care about you just so they can take your money and murder you your loved ones like anybody else who might get in the way even if they're white and that's so crazy to think that, like, like I mean, you want the story to be, like, he started as that, but then he actually grew to, like, love her and, like, their children and, like, turned his back against what he was supposed to do. But, like, no, he was still planning on poisoning her. Yeah. The mother of his children and yeah, family members, and that's fucking so crazy. Yeah. Like, the entire time this is happening, these people that are, l- like parts of these families sleeping under their roof sleeping in the same beds as them yeah are just standing beside them comforting them sharing in their heartbreak and disbelief like like they're getting off on it in some sick way oh god yep so molly 
being the brave bitch that she was, attended all of these trials, looked all of the defendants in the face, including her husband, despite the fact that her entire world and everything she knew was crumbling around her. Basically, Hale, the guy that um, Ernest, his uncle, helped send Big Heart to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Hale... Brian Burkhart, Ernest's brother, and Amelia, or Amelia, and Anna uh, Brown's ex-husband. Yeah. They came to Osage County, Oklahoma, trying to find jobs in oil fields initially, years and years and years ago. They soon discovered, just like the rest of the country, just how rich the oil was making the Osage tribe and wanted in. So Hale instructed his spineless little nephews to marry into the Kyle family which Ernest was able to do successfully, unlike Brian, so that they could systematically pick them off one by one and obtain all of their head rights and insurance policies. That's so fucking crazy. Yep. For example, when her sister Anna was murdered, remember how I said shit didn't add up? So the authorities convicted a petty criminal named Kelsey Morrison of Anna's murder. When all of this came out later on, years and years later, Morrison comes on the stand and turns out he didn't kill Anna Brown, obviously, but he was paid to admit to the murder by Hale, who, along with Anna's ex-boyfriend and Molly's brother-in-law, Brian Burkhart, got Anna drunk, shot her, and then dumped her body in a ravine, never to be found, except that she was. Yeah. Henry Rowan Horse, Rowan Horse, Molly and Anna and Rita's cousin, had also borrowed $1,200 from Hale before his death. And after he was murdered, Hale fraudulently arranged to make himself the beneficiary of Henry's $25,000 life insurance policy. Mm. At the time of the trial, Molly and, by association, Ernest had inherited both of her sister's head rights, along with those of her mother and her father. Wow. And don't forget, Molly had one herself. Yeah. So Ernest is looking at receiving, because he would be the next of kin. Yeah. Five head rights. And if each of those head rights equates to hundreds of millions. Yeah, he was going to be swimming in it. Yeah. He was going to be fucking rich. Rucking Fitch. So. I just don't see, like, how you would be able to get away with that, though. Like, like we had said, like one is an accident, like a horrible tragedy. And then two is like, that's a weird coincidence. And then three is like, okay, this is terrible. But like when you get to five, when you, you get to, to kill 60? five, yeah, no, but like one person for, for one person in one family, it's not, it's not an accident anymore. It's like, you could tell that this person is murdering all these people to get their money. Yes, but also let's not forget these were not white people. Nobody cared whether they lived or died. Yes, they were the richest of the not white people. But at the end of the day, they were not white. Yeah. So nobody really cared. Nobody really got involved until white people started to die. Yeah. This if no white people had died or if not enough white people had died probably would have still gone on until the Osage people were wiped out. Yeah. 
So basically what happened was Hale and the Burkharts and one of the ranch hands that they hired to help with their plan, John Ramsey, were charged with the murder of Molly's family. So Hale was formally charged with the murder of Henry Rowan Horse, and because Henry had also been killed on the Osage Reservation land, that made the murder a federal crime. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, John Ramsey said that Hale had promised him $500 and a new car if he killed Rowan. So, Ramsey met with Rowan on a road outside of Fairfax under the guise of basically hanging out. And Ramsey got Rowan drunk on whiskey and shot him in the head before putting Mm, him back in his car. Yeah. Ramsey would later change this story and claim that the actual killer was not him, but a man named Curly Johnson. Okay. Curly Johnson. Yes. Which also takes me back to that time a kid grabbed my ass in middle school and after being forced to apologize by the principal said, Hey, uh, just so you know, I don't think it was me who did it. I think it was Michael O'Donnell. Yeah. Peter Fernandez, I see you. After you get caught, you're like, actually, it wasn't me. Wasn't me? Yeah. Um, Go run back to your mommy. So, probably, what my my guess is, Ramsey just realized that he couldn't bring a car with him to prison and was like, well, then what the fuck am I doing this for? Yeah. And he he also, he does a lot. He does a lot. He named two other accomplices, and Hale and his associates were finally convicted in state and federal trials from 1926 to 1929. That's how long the fucking trial lasted, because they had changes of venue, hung jury, like the first trial ended in a hung jury, there were appeals, there were overturned verdicts, there were all kinds of shit. So oh finally, fi- so along this time, Ernest flips in exchange of a life sentence over the death penalty because that's what they're all looking at. And said mm-hmm. that Hale had used a person named Henry Grammer as a go-between to hire a professional criminal named Ace Kirby to perform the killings. Okay. Grammer and Kirby were both killed before they could testify, mysteriously. Convenient. So convenient. So then in 1926, Ernest Burkhart completed guilty to being part of the conspiracy. And by the end of this, 1929, Hale, Ramsey, and Ernest Burkhart had been sentenced to life in prison. They would later receive parole despite protests from the Osage. Great. Sounds about white. Yeah. Meanwhile, the residents of Pawhuska, Oklahoma, petitioned the state governor, Jack C. Walton, to conduct a full investigation into the deaths of George Bigheart and W.W. Vaughn. However, the investigator Walton assigned to the case, Herman Fox Davis, was convicted of bribery soon after he put him on the case, meaning we have nobody to conduct the case. And yeah. although Walton later pardoned Davis, the investigation of Big Hart and Vaughn's murders was never completed. Okay. However, um, no, just kidding. Rita's husband, Bill, had actually put in writing beforehand that he thought that it was Hale who did it. 
before he oh, died. Okay. As, like right before yeah. he died while he was in the hospital. Yeah. I was going to say it was Big Heart. It wasn't Big Heart. It was it was Rita's husband, Bill. But that's okay. It still happened. Mm-hmm. Molly divorced Ernest. Yeah. Good girl. And well, uh, but also that's not a thing you did at the time. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't do that in the 20s. You didn't even do that in the 50s. But when he's trying to slowly kill you, I think you have the right. Some Yeah, you have some reason to. But also, don't forget, like, she was Catholic, so she also would not be allowed to get married in the church again. She wouldn't be granted yeah. an annulment. Um, I don't even know if annulments existed back then, but either way. She went on to live until June 16th, 1937, when she died of natural causes. No poisoning. Yeah. Her children inherited all of her estate, including her family's head rights. Good. So, to get into the pop culture side of things. Uh-huh. First of all, so this is what I'm saying. Not a lot of people know about this case. Not a lot of people know about this story. Not a lot of people know the name of the Osage tribe or know that the play slash movie August Osage County was based on a county named after a Native American tribe. See, I knew August Osage County from the theater world. So I knew Osage, but I didn't know like... That it was a Native American name. Yeah. And that the name was... I mean, I I guess I could have guessed it's a Native American name. Like, if you had really asked me, like, what do you think this is? But, like, I I don't know. That's the only place I had ever heard it from. Right. So, one one piece of pop culture is the Osage murders were covered on the third episode of the radio broadcast series G-Men on August 3rd, 1935, in an episode titled The Osage Indian Murders. Yeah. The series... Whoop, I mean, oh, go ahead. They're talking about it. Like, it, that word wasn't problematic at that time, so, like... Or was it still problematic at that time? No, Sorry it wasn't problematic yet that. at that time. That mostly came to light closer to the middle end of the 20th century. Um... I, I will say that in interviews I read with people who wrote books on this stuff and everything, they referred to them as the Osage Indian murders. And I was like, we have had enough time pass that we don't yeah. need to call it this anymore. <laughs> but I'm saying maybe when it was on that radio program, because it was way back then, they're still oh, yeah. trying to like. Oh, yeah. Bring, they didn't know. Yeah. They're trying to bring awareness and didn't realize that that word would end up being not the way you would refer to this group of people. Right. It only hurt me to say now. It didn't hurt yeah. back then. Um, but you're semi-right about the purpose of it. It wasn't necessarily to bring forth the story of the Osage people. Um, the series was actually just about FBI cases. And it was oh, created right. and produced by Phillips Lord with cooperation of the FBI. And b- since this was basically their first case, yeah. um, the th- this was basically the OG true crime podcast. Yeah. I had a little wishful thinking. I thought they did it for better reasons. But G-Men didn't really do well because obviously people didn't know just how cool a true crime was back in the Dizay. Um, yeah. Please kill me. And so it lasted 13 episodes before being canceled in October 1935. Nah. But a reworked version that you may have heard of called gangbusters have not heard of it oh you haven't heard of gangbusters i have not 
Oh, shit. Okay, well, then, for anybody else who hasn't heard of it, because fuck me, I guess. So, it was a hugely popular radio program. Like, you're... you're how old are how old are our parents? My parents wouldn't know it because it ended when my dad was a baby. Like when my dad was like a like a month old baby. Um, um, my parents are in their sixties, fifty, late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, they may not know it either then because so basically it was made into a movie at one point, um, like, oh. a, like a like a like a like a oh God, I almost compared TV it movie? to Twilight. No, I almost compared it to Twilight, like a series of movies. Like Harry okay. Potter. That's so much better than Twilight. Okay. Um, NBC series had, I mean, NBC series, kill me. NBC had like a TV series of it. I okay. think it was NBC, but I'm not positive. NBC is the oldest TV channel, Network? I think. Yeah. Um, like there were, there were all kinds of versions of it. Like it ran into the 50s um, and basically it covered a bunch of different american law enforcement agencies not just the fbi so rather than oh, okay. make it like niche they made it w- more widespread and that's yeah. what made it so popular cool um so the radio series debuted in january 1936 so just a couple of months after the first one got canceled yeah and it ran for over 20 years until its last episode which was aired on november 27 1957 oh wow yeah very popular yeah, the movie came out in the 40s, too, so it was, like, still very popular. It's not like they were like, oh, let's do a movie now that the series is over. I'll love Veronica yeah. Mars. Um, it was it was big. It was very big. So then the Kyle family murders specifically were featured as part of the 1959 drama The FBI Story, which starred James Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, Okay. Yes, and who my father affectionately refers to as Jimmy Stewart, as if he knew him personally. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, then again, my with my dad, anything's possible, because he's struck up random friendships with his fair famous people before. Um, remind me to tell you about the time that my dad befriended John Voight in an airport, and they hung out for the, like, 24 hours that their flight was delayed. Cute. And then, and then exchanged phone numbers, and, like, we're like, oh, when we're in the same place, let's hang out again. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um... <laughs> Like, totally normal. Just sends me a picture of them, like, hanging out, having dinner. And I'm like, what What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> my dad got yelled at by Catherine Hepburn. He did. He did. <laughs> that's your favorite story. <laughs> that's my favorite story. I love your dad, but that's, the, that's my favorite thing. That and when he found out that John Lennon got shot. I'm a very fucked up person. Yeah. Um, oh, and yeah, he also so. used to, uh, um, Corey Feldman lived on his block. And they no used fucking to, shit! Yeah, they used to, like, not bully him, but he was like... He was like a younger than his group, so like they used to play this game called Doo Doo Man, that it was oh, basically no. like with a um, like one of those red uh, dodgeballs, and you would just bounce it off somebody's head. <laughs> so poor I mean, Corey Feldman, he hasn't he been through enough? I guess I don't know. Hey, I'm anyway. Just that was enough of a his tangent. movie. His movie, fuck Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Um, and for those who don't know, if you know, you know. But for those who don't know, feel free to DM us and we will give you the deets. Um, but yeah, so the movie was based on a novel by Don Whitehead and directed and produced by Marvin Leroy. Do you know who Marvin Leroy is? I feel like I've heard that name. You do. You okay. do. Nobody knows his name. But you definitely know his work. Okay. Because possibly the most famous movie he produced 
was the Wizard of Oz. <gasps> I know. That's my favorite. I know. I love you so much. I have Wizard um, of Oz tattoos. And then as one of my favorites, this is the first, like, non-children's book that I ever read. My grandma gifted it to me. I still have it. It's it's a beautiful fucking book, but it's also, the story is very beautiful. Everybody knows the new version, but he directed the 1949 non-Susan Sarandon version of Little Women, which oh, starred Elizabeth okay. Taylor. Yeah. So he's he's big. He's big, big, yeah. big. Um, and then also Hoover acted as a producer of sorts on the film. They wow. used him to like produce, but then also to fact check. And he even makes a cameo in the movie. Fun. Yep. And so the basic premise of it, the movie follows the life and cases covered by an FBI agent who's played by James slash Jimmy Stewart, depending on, I guess, your level of closeness with him. Sure. My, my dad's good. This is going to be the episode my dad listens to. And he's going to be like, oh, I didn't ever tell you about the time that Jimmy Stewart and I got coffee while we were waiting for the sub. Like, I'm just going to kill him. It's fine. Um, but, like, it's fine. I'll kill the man who had the opportunity to go see Hamilton and decided not to take it because he thought it would be boring. Um, and one of the cases that Jimmy Stewart is sent on is to investigate is based on the Osage murders. Mm. Basically, Native Americans start turning up dead. And well, it's wait, because what was of the name the of the movie again? The FBI story. The FBI story. Okay. But I wouldn't go into it just, I wouldn't go looking for it just yet. Oh, no. Um, the movie has a 6.6 .6 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay. okay. An 88% Google score, which we all know is mostly it's usually the kiss high. of death. Usually the kiss of death when it's a high Google score. Oh, no. <laughs> no tomato meter rating because back then critics didn't really do much. Yeah. No critics consensus because see above. Yep. But a 47% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Not Ooh. that great. Not that great. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Not that great. Maybe if they didn't include Hoover. Who knows? But you can rent it if you so choose for $2.99 on Amazon Prime, uh, YouTube, and iTunes. So, All right. If you're interested. If you're into it, it's like three bucks. Just know that you're spending three bucks on this yeah. movie. But, yeah. And that's really the only, like, visual slash vocalized media about it. But there's been a yeah. fuck ton of books. So many books. Not yeah. a fuck ton of books. Like, there's a fuck ton of books written about Bundy. But there's a handful. There's a strong handful of books written about this case. Um, and I'm sure it's involved, like, if there's, like, some history of the FBI. I'm sure it's, like, mentioned. Yes. If not detailed. But... Yeah, I'm sure it's in a lot more than than what it's like a book strictly about this case. Yes, that's actually how I found out about this case is I was researching the FBI for something else, like not even for this podcast. I was looking into it for something else, um, probably trying to figure out how to get them to stop wiretapping me. And I had and have this family that worked for the FBI. I oh, oh, I I can't talk about it, but we'll do an episode on it because I also had family that worked for the FBI. And one of them was an infamous FBI agent. I found Ooh. this out relatively recently. I found this out maybe five years ago. 
my mother told me and I was like, why the fuck didn't you tell me this earlier? She's like, I didn't think it was interesting or important. And I was like, well, you know what? In two years, I'm going to start a true crime podcast and it's going to be very important then. Yeah, I don't know if I'm... I really don't think I'm allowed to say what their names are, but yeah, I've had family that have worked for the FBI in pretty prominent positions, as I have been told. I mean, yeah. I I think at one point we weren't allowed to know. <laughs> I've got but, that. Yeah. I've got that. Yeah. I have relatives who are very big in the government now that I'm not supposed to know things that I know about. Yeah. But surprise. Um those Mahars, <laughs> they really talk, huh? Um but yeah, this one this one I can talk about him because he's my grandma's brother, I think. He's he's a great. He's a great. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. long dead. We can discuss um i just gotta remember exactly the details of the case and then actually do an episode on it um so we'll see you in a year but back to the murders they inspired a fuck ton of books and this included multiple novels by native american author fred grove who was actually a witness for some of the murders in this trial perfect person to write a book right So probably the most famous of these is his 2002 novel, The Years of Fear, which has a 4.17% rating on Goodreads. Okay. Star, stars, 4.17 stars, not percent, out of five, 4.17 out of five. We're fine. It's good. I can't read. It's fine. Um, But like I said, I've mentioned him many times before. Probably the most famous book is Grand's book novel about the murders which is killers of the flower moon the osage murders and the birth of the fbi i feel like i've heard of that book you've probably heard of the book it's very popular it's probably on on the new york times yeah and i think it was probably on one of those like true crime books to read probably it just came out in 2017 okay um actually an npr correspondent dave davies covered the case on april 17 2017 on an episode of the show Fresh Air, during which he interviewed Gran about the book and the case. Yeah. Um, and primarily, the reason why this is such a big story in terms of Gran's telling is because he's so thorough. Like, I got most of my information from him and the book. Yeah. So thorough, and he tells a story from like a really sympathetic lens. It's because, yeah. for example, I I wasn't taught about this in school. I was never taught about this in school. We were even, I was talking to Michael the other night about how Nat- when it came to Native Americans, we were basically taught that the Native Americans were these people that were just coming out and killing us out of nowhere. And so we felt so threatened because white people yeah. like to weaponize that now that we made smallpox blankets to get them to just stop bullying us. I don't think I ever learned it like that, but I definitely didn't learn like uh, stuff like like this. Maybe yeah. people maybe people down in that area have. Yeah, like I'm if, especially if you're living on what used to be a reservation, like you should yeah. in school learn like this is the land that I inhabit now. But then Hopefully. again, look at Texas I mean, history books. Yeah. Like I, I grew up in New England, 
and I was taught that Thanksgiving and Plymouth and all of that, that that meal was a peace treaty. Friendly, yeah. Friendly and a peace treaty. And that, like, it was like a potluck. Like, we brought some stuff, and they brought some yeah. stuff, and we all ate some stuff. Because you think of it as... The turkey wasn't you think part of it. Of as, it. Yeah, but you think of it as your Thanksgiving dinner that you have with your family. Yes, and not yeah. a peace treaty that we turned around and went back on. Yeah. Funny how they never mentioned that. But anyway, well, moving I on, mean, people are going to get so They're pissed. kind of... <laughs> uh, if anyone has seen um, the second Frozen movie... Oh, I thought you were going to um, say the Adams family. I was like, yes. No. Fuck it up, Wednesday. If you've seen the uh, second Frozen movie, the storyline of that is very similar to the American storyline. Does this mean uh, I'm going to have to watch New Frozen America. too? Yeah. I mean, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it. I watched it on an airplane. When Remember when we can go on airplanes? And um, No. Yeah. When you look at that story, you're like, okay, wow, yeah, this is uh, this is how America started, and we were not chill dudes. No, we were very <laughs> much not chill dudes. Yeah, and like the basically the story of it is like, how do we fix this now? Yeah, and it's Disney. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they figured it out way earlier than we did. They probably figured this out within an hour and a half. Yeah, and I was gonna say, there's <laughs> problems with Disney. Mm -hmm. Let's not oh, even. Oh, I know. We're not even going to go there, mostly yeah. because what if one of us gets employed by them? But um, I still need that money. Get that Disney money. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Just kidding. Just kidding. But back to the book. So it has a 4.3 out of 10 on Goodreads, which is, yeah, that's good. Pretty good, especially if it has a lot of ratings. I was about to say. Out of over 116,000 reviews. Yeah. So. It's a good fucking book. <laughs> like. Yeah. Howard Zinn who? It's a good fucking book. Um, and I think this is the first time I have seen this. But it also has an 88% Google score. It has not been made into a movie or anything. Yet it has a Google score. I don't think but I've seen a book with a Google score. It's also score. relatively new. Yeah three years so old maybe, but i've seen newer maybe they will make a movie about it i'm i vote that we make a movie about it i'm being completely serious i mentioned this to you before this episode even started i am down i am down to it is a quite a story this. it's it's a fucking story like if if a movie was a bop this would be it like oh girl oh girl 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 but yeah yeah like damn like holy sh like what the fuck dude dude so tell more people about this case even if you don't tell them about this episode tell people about this fucking case like yeah it's so it's this is you can't make this shit up this this is stuff people try to make up and win like like we said about movies win oscars for yeah holy mother you would hope you would hope they cast people of the correct race to be the correct characters but well, Other when we that, make it, like, we yeah. will. That's true. Yes. Fuck that. So but is like, that the end of your episode? That's the end of my episode. And like, oh, girl, I'm sweating. <laughs> I can see that. I, I I'm 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 glowing. But we yeah, video chat was, now when we when we we record. do we do so that we can be on the same page even though we're still not. And 
Ugh. We could just stare each other down. Can you believe? Like, I'm still shocked about this case. I mean, all the all the cases we talk about of like indigenous people, people of color, like the stories are as wild, if not more wild, than some of the like white male serial killers we talk about. So like, yeah, it's crazy that like lots of true crime fans would be like, yeah, I know this case, I know that case. Like, but you don't know like these crazy wild cases that have like all of these twists and turns it has like right. fbi it has like poisoning it has like systematic murder of, of one group of people like it's fucking crazy yeah like we've heard about fucking for example troy and the trojan horse and yeah helen of troy was the face that launched a thousand white fucking ships this was the this was the tribe that launched the goddamn FBI, and we don't know about it. Yeah, and if you're listening from the United States, like this happened on our soil, so like we should we should know more of these stories. And not even a hundred years ago did this happen. In, yeah. In U.S. in putting U.S. history in perspective, this is relatively recent. Yeah. So I'm gonna post on the website. Um, links to the Goodread accounts for those books. I'm assuming you could probably get them on Amazon. You could probably get everything on Amazon now, but I'm going We're to... We're not getting them uh, on Amazon, though. You. We're going to get them elsewhere. Sorry, I know. I'm going to urge you, you to... Uh, <laughs> I was in the middle of it. I'm going to urge you to get... Um, if you're interested in picking up one of these books, get it from uh, a local bookstore or an independent bookstore or somewhere sure. that is not making a trillion dollars a day. Not somewhere where the CEO is making so much money that he could cure world hunger 10 times plus over and still be the richest man in the world. That's a crime story for another day. We got to get our girls from Book of Lies on that one if they haven't already. Yeah. Like that So one. check out the website. It's crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. And while you're there, you can find all of the links to our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can message us at any one of those. And that's it for this week. Yeah. What a doozy. What a doozy. What a doozy. Uh, we're going to be back next week with another doozy of an episode and i'm gonna say it here first trigger warning in advance it is the most gruesome episode i have researched thus far great remember when you got mad at me for not talking during sylvia likens because i got so upset oh it's worse yeah get Um, ready yeah no no engagement from me (laughs) graphic depictions of a horrible crime um but it's neat it needs to be said to illustrate how horrible this fucking asshole is so yeah get ready for that one skip forward no you don't you have to listen to the whole thing yes so uh get ready for that next week and we will see you next tuesday tuesday bye bye Wear a mask, stay inside. Free Britney. Bye. Bye.